0: Arizona Diamondbacks beat the Phillies tonight. Mm, mm,
1: mm. So is your house divided? Like, you wouldn't even got into that. You would think...
0: Welcome to the Bottle of Brown podcast. We are recording on this 20th of October in the year 2023. We got a great show for you today. We'll be talking about uh, some San Francisco brunch pukers. Our top story talks about drones over arenas. Crankfile has us looking at some draft poop. We're going to look at some banned California items and we'll finish it off with some happy times. But first, I am your host with the most... Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. That's right, my name is Danny Paul, and I'll be rocking the ones and twos tonight. Joining me in the Bob Media Studios is... The Pharaoh of Finance, the Earl of the East Bay, the Sultan of Soccer. Where is your music, Mr. Jones? Oh, yes! And also joining us is the Maestro de Mexico, the Duke of the Desert, the Crown Prince of the Purple... The midge
1: joins us tonight.
2: Hey, where are the white women at? Nice the boys
1: tonight. I'm doing good. The intros were, the, we were like back to being freshmen again. It sounds like. Yeah. A new laptop. Yeah. there's some work. to do. like, you're doing good. It's uh it's a Friday, which is uh, always the best. I and will fix is, it. Uh, I'll fix it all yeah. in post. I'll fix it in post. Don't worry about it. Just keep going. Um, but yeah. How was your week, gentlemen? Can't complain. Business is,
2: business is good, getting better. Good.
1: That's good to know. Uh, I don't
0: think Leon will be joining us tonight. He's up in the mountains with the fam. And although I prodded him to uh, log in, not likely that he'll be joining us in the Bob Media Studios this evening. But it's nice to see you boys. Happy Friday.
1: Definitely. Definitely.
0: <laughs> Friday. Friday. Being that it is a Friday here, and we're almost up on Halloween, and this is Rocktober. What is our brand for this evening, boys?
1: Well, I'll go first. Not much of a rock in this one. Uh, it's actually uh, my uh, my old granddad, Bottled and Bond, um, kind of one of the ones I did with a, a stave for uh, six weeks. Um, you know, so right now I'm just drinking the, the straight, and then I'll move over to my more smooth... Tasty doing Perfect. the stave experiment. Nice. Yeah, stave experiment. Yeah, very good. Uh, I love the uh, the balance difference and the the smoothest. And it takes something to maybe a little harsher and kind of makes it more enjoyable, more sipping.
0: Those of you Bobs that have just joined the ranks of the Bottle of Dark podcast, there is a stick you can buy on Amazon that effectively ages your whiskey after you bought it. And we have done this experiment multiple times and talked about it on previous episodes. And did you put it right in the bottle or did you separate it out into jars?
1: Uh, Mason jar for me. That way I keep a little bit of the original in the bottle and Mason jar, the rest of it. Very right. cool. Madge, what you you can see it.
2: I got something special tonight. This is Papa's Pilar. This is a company. This is actually uh, owned by Ernest Hemingway's family. Oh, and uh, Pilar was something I mean, yacht that he traveled the Caribbean in. Uh, this it's kind of a cool bottle. It's got a uh, it's got a little compass right on the head of the uh, of the top, and it's got like a little chain thing going on. And this is this is actually kind of uh, I guess this company makes a whole line of rums that are made. Uh, inspired by Hemingway. Uh, it's delicious. It's dark rum. It reminds me a lot of the other uh, <clears throat> spice rums that I've had that hail from the Caribbean.
0: Good for you, sir. Good for you.
2: I'm enjoying it very much. It's a,
0: it's a double. I've got a double. Of course you do. Well, as it is on a Friday. As Danny. it is As it is on a Friday. I picked up some of the Kirkland Costco special I Lay. Oh. And this bitch is peaty. Nice. Like, it is seriously, You we're drinking the moss tonight, I like guess. yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: the campfire, is mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. All the ash. It was only 36 bucks, comes in a fairly modest little bottle. Um, a little bit goes a long way when you're dealing with the Islay. Oh, I yes. wanted that to rhyme, but now you know. Very nice. It is episode ninety. One tonight,
1: boys. Uh-huh. We gotta we 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 start planning for uh, the centennial.
0: We have to start planning for the centennial. That is true. We've talked about it. We don't really have anything specific planned, but uh 91, we are nine episodes away from actually this is 92. This is episode 92 tonight. And we are eight episodes away from our centennial episode. We'll have to figure out what to do with ourselves. Anyway, that is neither here nor there. Now that we've talked about brown, let's, uh, let's talk about brown.
1: How you doing? Whiskey and whiskey. If is the darkest brown you got, yeah. Say, Holmes, mm. where they hiding mm. the scotch? What about um, brown? That's code for bourbon. Great stuff, this bourbon. Comes from a land called Kentucky. Talk about brown. There's a special rung in hell reserved for people who waste good scotch.
0: Scotch? Oh, yes, I I think so. Can I have one more of these with some booze in it, please? Jay, do you remember when we went down to Newport with Lil' Chris and he took us to uh, that bar down by the pier for like $3 bottomless mimosas? Do you remember us ever doing that on like
1: a Saturday or Sunday? I must have, but I get them washed out with uh, uh, Marina Del Rey and uh, Santa Barbara, to be honest. But yeah, um... This, I think I read this article. That's probably really exactly
0: good. on point with what we're talking about today. This one comes from sfgate.com. This is up in your neck of the woods. Bay Area Restaurants Institute Penalty for Brunch Vomiters. The article begins, there's a reason we revere brunch. We look forward to unpacking the work week with friends over decadent egg dishes, syrup-laden pancakes, and the requisite mimosa. We give ourselves permission to indulge in extra bacon and maybe even a second champagne cocktail as we reconnect and relax. But nowhere in this happy place do you picture vomit. Yet dealing with patrons who lose their brunch is a reality for Bay Area restaurants offering the popular perk of bottomless mimosas. Particularly since the pandemic, they're finding that diners, often ones in their early to mid-twenties, are Mm. drinking too much and vomiting in the bathrooms or even right at their tables. The burden on servers and staff to clean up after these public pukers is reaching a fever pitch, making it necessary for restaurants to take precautions and even implement fees. And we have here a cleanup sign at kitchen story in Oak town, dear mimosa lovers, please drink responsibly and know your limits. A $50 cleaning fee will automatically include in your tap when you throw up in the public areas. Thank you for your understanding. Wrong or right. Yes or no. 100%.
2: I I apologized profusely, and I really resent this kind of automatic (laughs)
0: billing. At Kitchen Story, the cheery Asian-inspired restaurant in Oakland's Rockridge district, known for its millionaire's bacon, the bathroom sports a pointed sign. The text is signed off with a smiling emoji. Restaurateur Stephen Choi had his staff post the warning in the bathrooms nearly two years ago after his general manager noticed similar signs and bars and suggested it as a possible solution. This was still during the pandemic and it became a very sensitive issue for customers and staff having to clean up, but this is not unique. It's there to make the customers stop and think about other people. And we have here a picture of Kitchen Story in Oakdown as well as a carafe of bottomless mimosas, which are oh, oh so good. You guys ever had bottomless mimosas? When was the last time you think you had bottomless mimosas? Ooh. I can't. I don't
1: know.
2: The last football season at some point. Well, that's kind of recent.
0: Yeah. yeah. Last time I remembered it, we were single and we were playing quarters.
2: <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. uh, it, it's yeah, well, got to be a long mimosas. time.
2: Bottomless mimosas are, are a thing in a lot of the, the branch places out here.
0: For Just gotta sure. know where to go. Uh, other factors seem to be how the bottomless mimosas are served and for how long most brunch eateries enforce timed seatings in order to discourage overindulgence and move tables a kitchen story a small restaurant you can enjoy your bottomless mimosas for up to 60 minutes servers bring small carafes of grapefruit or peach laced bubbly to the tables for customers to drain before another is dropped off during the Sycamore's two-hour brunch seatings, and the Sycamore is a lively gastropub in San Francisco's Mission District known for pork belly donuts and prosciutto stuffed Belgian waffles. Wow. During the Sycamore's two-hour brunch seatings, the Ferry makes their way through the dining area every 15 minutes or so to offer pours. At the same time, they're paying keen attention to patron behavior. Our staff is trained to make sure our customers don't overdo it. Nobody wants to see people throwing up. That sort of spoils the party vibe that we're trying to create. You've been down in the Mission District, right, Jay? No. Never?
1: No. I, look, I'll be honest. I, I don't venture out as much as I probably should. And I'm not so much into San Francisco. So, well, you know, I go there for work. That's that's kind of... And sports. So it's basically... Well, there it, the there is amazing districts. places. Yeah. I live in the financial district. There's the Castro...
0: And then there's wow. the Mission District, and the Mission District. Oh, there's tons more.
1: And there's yep, yeah, absolutely. A ton there's more. Russian. There's Knob Hill. There's Soma. There's I mean, there's there they go on and North on Beach. and on. North Beach. And so that's where you get the Italian food. That's where the Italian food is.
2: Mm-hmm. The I- so there's, Italians.
1: There's various mm-hmm. enclaves all around the
0: San Francisco Peninsula, and it's, it's
1: all in one the town yeah. in that respect. But the Mission District is known for its wait for it Mexican food. Oh. Taco the burrito. Mm-hmm. Good stuff.
0: So there's training that's required of all the servers in there, which is the Responsible Beverage Service training from the California Department of Alcohol Beverage Control. That's right. The ABC became mandatory for all California bartenders, servers, and waiters who handle and serve alcohol in July of last year, and prepares servers for their ABC Alcohol Server Certification Exam. Among the topics covered are the impact of alcohol on the body and how to responsibly serve alcoholic beverages, including preventing service or sale to intoxicated customers. Do you guys know this? Do you guys know that you got to go through ABC training to become an alcohol server certified? Oh, well, it makes sense.
2: That just shows how long it's been since I served tables because we did not have to do that. Yeah, what was your experience like? <clears throat> uh, well, we had we had training... We had training on it and it was like there was legal requirements to anything having to do with alcohol. Ironically, I don't remember either. I don't think that uh, they mentioned the, the. The the like food safety training stuff that we did as being legally required. I'm sure they covered what they legally had to, but. um. I do know that like there there's there's these trainings now that are legally required and you have to you get a card like a credit card that's proof that you took that training and you got certified. We never had that. Never had anything like that. It was just they taught you what they taught you and off you went. And please refrain from spitting in the customer's food. <laughs>
1: there are ways even if to they leave you off. a leave you a twenty five cent tip.
2: Right. Oh, then you spit then, in the face. Then spin in the customer's food.
0: Oh, there it is. <laughs> there are ways to cut people off without them realizing it. This is the kind of thing they teach you. We practice eye contact and engagement. We come by with a pitcher of water. Still, every once in a while, you'll see people who realize they've had too much, noting that some step out front to throw up and then come back, and people can get carried away. Home plate on Lombard Street, of all places, caters to the brunch-obsessed marina crowd with cheesy bacon tots and chunky corned beef hash. It offers a liter carafe of raspberry peach or other flavored bubbly, roughly four to five pours, depending on the size of the flute, that is poured by a server as part of the service. Owner Tarut Boone and his staff have witnessed their share of Ralphers over the years. In late 2021, when vomiting seemed to become an issue, Boone instituted pretty much the same policy as Kitchen Story. Signs posted around the restaurant on the menu asked diners to please drink responsibly $50 cleaning fee per person for any incident incurred as a result of intoxication. After customers complained, Science came down, but the policy remains. Mm. When Home Plate started serving bottomless mimosas back in 2010, they gave diners two hours to enjoy their champagne cocktails and breakfast dishes. They eventually reduced it to ninety, and now it's down to 75.
2: I'm I'm kind of amazed that a restaurant would go so far as to Post something as disgusting on their doors, as you know. Keeping in mind, you're going there to eat a meal, and there's a a sign saying, basically, if you toss your cookies, we're gonna charge you for it. Like, all right, let's go somewhere else. <laughs> like, because you, well, you know, if you see that sign, like, this is a consistent problem. It has or will throw up. No. Right?
1: Yeah. yeah. Would this fly in uh, your neck of the woods?
2: It's the it is the opposite. Not unless it of a positive endorsement.
0: No, not unless it becomes pervasive. I mean, I think that's the idea. The idea is that if they've run everybody out of all the rest of the restaurants, so they're all falling in now. But the idea that I think they would just remove bottomless mimosas. I mean, what kind of margin are we talking about that they're willing to do with this? Hmm. Like, why wouldn't you just go back to dollar mimosas or something? You know, this is something that encourages people? To, you know, you got to be thinking about a lot of money for bottomless, and then you cut them off at seventy-five minutes. You know how much champagne you can drink in seventy-five minutes? I don't yeah, know, I that's, that's, sure. that's well, a good question, Midge. What do you think? Would that fly? Rough sc- deal? Roughly four or five bottles. I've I've found with that fly. Uh,
2: you know what? I could it? I could. I could see something like this going up in Scottsdale also ah, that was for, my for the, Yeah, for the exact same reason. You've got a bunch of spoiled little assholes that have nothing better to do than to get all fucked up on a Sunday afternoon at a really nice restaurant and end up pulling this kind of shit. But you know, the the other side of this is this is the kind of place that has a fucking DJ there while you're eating your bacon and eggs It's 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 part of the madness of what life is like today, and it's like, well, you know, if if that's if that's the atmosphere that you are going to promote, then those are the people that you're going to end up with.
0: So Mm -hmm.
2: know your audience.
0: Yeah. So it's a fifty dollar fifty dollar vomit charge, and if that's the place you want to go to, then you can expect somebody's paying fifty bucks to to boot out in the bushes. Anyway, that wraps up the want to. News team, assemble!
2: Let's
1: get down, let's get down to business. And I got news for you.
0: Tonight's top story comes to us from NBC News. This one comes on the heels of the Diamondbacks defeating the Philadelphia Phillies tonight for Game 4 of the National League Division Series. NFL members of Congress alarmed by drone incidents over packed sports stadiums. They say the incidents underscore a huge security vulnerability made worse by gaps in federal law that they fear could result in deaths and injuries. You guys ever seen a drone over the game? Uh, I've never seen a drone over the game. No. They're they're literally everywhere. I've seen them at uh, I've seen them at concerts, I've seen them at festivals, I've seen them at Little League games. Uh, I've seen them downtown at a, uh, you know, when they close the streets and they do like beer gardens, like it's, it's to the point where these things are annoying. And basically what a drone will allow you to do is just creep up over the edge of the seats and watch a game for free. Yeah. Yeah. Since dated October twelfth, twenty twenty three, when a drone was spotted over the Ohio State Maryland college football game Saturday, officials quickly suspended the nationally televised contest and pulled the players off the field. The interruption was brief. The drone flew off, and police tracked down and arrested its pilot, who told them he lost control of his newly bought craft as it meandered over Ohio Stadium in Columbus. That's Leon's territory. He faces multiple criminal charges, but police said they found no evidence of malicious intent. Still. The incident, latest in a string of drone incursions over stadiums, was closely watched by executives at the NFL, other major sports leagues, and members of Congress. They say it underscored a huge security vulnerability, made worse by gaps in federal law, that they fear could result in a catastrophic loss of life. Stadiums are outdoor venues, often protected by layers of security on the ground, but most are defenseless from an attack from above. Even as the Russia-Ukraine wars demonstrated how easy it is to weaponize small, off-the-shelf drones. U.S. law grants only the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security the authority to jam and take down rogue aircraft. And officials say those agencies don't have the resources to cover most major sporting events. They send counter-drone teams to the Super Bowl and the World Series, but not to regular games. So let's take this one seriously for a moment, Midge. What do you think you got at an average stadium? 20000 30000 uh, at an NFL game, at an NFL game you're probably upwards of fifty or sixty.
2: Yeah, at an NFL game, fifty or sixty. I, that. I mean, that depends on a lot. Of I've seen, I've been at Diamondbacks games where I swear to God there were under ten thousand people in the stadium. <laughs> but you know, that's that's Diamondbacks, a hot a hot summer night midweek. Um, I'd season. say averages averages eighteen twenty. Had to guess.
0: So you're looking at a little tiny drone that can probably bring some kind of a payload into an area of densely packed people where you could probably do some serious damage if you took down actually a piece of the infrastructure or you actually brought the blast close enough to the humans themselves. So this one seemed like a serious thing, given the fact that sports is probably one of the last bastions of places where people gather on a regular basis. So I thought this one was interesting. Um, In 2018. When FBI and DHS were granted drone mitigation authority, there have been 121,000 requests for them to send teams to stadiums and other venues. They've been able to approve 77 of 121,000 requests. Even that limited takedown authority is tenuous. It's set to expire November 17th when the current congressional spending bill does. And so we've got a bit of a problem since the playoff season's coming up fbi director christopher ray has endorsed the concept saying in 2022 that the fbi investigated multiple instances of people trying to weaponize small drones federal law already prohibits drones from flying over major sporting events but often there's no way to stop them from happening especially because they're tiny and they're fast they enter restricted airspace they're violating the law all we're asking is for the ability to take control of that drone and move it out of our airspace There were about 2,500 drone incursions over NFL stadiums last season, up from 1,300 the year before. so almost double. Last year, a Seattle Seahawks-Atlanta Falcons game was interrupted for 10 minutes when a drone flew over Lumen Field in Seattle. In 2018, a man modified a drone to drop leaflets over NFL games into Santa Clara and Oakland, both in California. They could have been anything, but it was still a security threat. Now a drone over a stadium can cause mayhem even if it wasn't fitted with explosives. If spectators believe it was a threat, a panicked rush to the exits could cost lives. 70,000. Nidge, we have 70,000 people in these stadiums and arenas. If you introduce panic to that scenario, then it becomes a lot more difficult to manage and then you have people that can be injured. So we don't want anybody introducing anything that could cause panic in the stadium. And in 2017, a drone crashed within inches of a spectator during a Major League Baseball game between the Diamondbacks And the Padres at Petco Park in San Diego. And if anybody's ever been to Petco Park, you know that that thing is wide open. You can actually spit on the field from a very public area. So, Jones, you missed out in the beginning of this one. No, but I get the gist of it. Flying drones into major sports games. And what we got earlier was there were 121,000 requests. To the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security, and of those 121,000 requests, only 77 of them were addressed. So they'll take care How of the Super Bowl you... and they'll take care of the World Series, but that's it. They just don't have the resources.
1: Mm. Well, it's a problem. I don't know the solution. There have been over 2,000
0: drone sightings near U.S. airports since 2021, and and. Mexican drug cartels are increasingly using drones to move illegal drugs across the border. A wall doesn't stop a drone from flying over with narcotics.
2: Yeah. How so is uh This is
0: a serious <laughs> problem?
2: Why why even bother getting drugs to the US any other way? It seems like that's a no-brainer. And how how easy it is? How easy is it to get away? It's it's the perfect way to smuggle drugs. How easy is it to get away from authorities? How easy is it to Come back over the border if you're detected. I mean, it's 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 it seems like it would be there. There's no other there, there's no other way of smuggling
0: drugs that makes sense anymore. When you got drones, so Amazon's maximum payload is five pounds. That's two point two kilograms. And so you could probably get a couple of dozen of those drones, move a couple of keys over at a time, and one big dump. You don't have to worry about you're a plane right. which has a transponder. You don't have to worry about something that moves. A giant amount of land or a giant amount of space. You got these little tiny things that can just drop a piece at a time right over the You're moving,
2: you're moving five pounds at a time, but you're doing it all day long.
0: And you could probably do it a couple hundred drones at a time. If you get those coordinated drones, like we see at the Olympics. Yeah. The swarms of them. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So you could swarm drugs over the border as well as swarm all kinds of stuff into stadiums and arenas around the country and around
1: the world. We just need to build a bigger wall. That's it. A bigger wall. We (laughs) need a bigger wall. (laughs) That's it.
2: Uh, I love that. I love that.
0: The request from the parties affected by this problem is pretty much, let us have jamming capability so that if a drone comes anywhere near the stadium, we can send it away or disable it. So then you would get, at, at worst, you would get an explosion outside the stadium. But the idea is if it gets anywhere within the radius of like the parking lot, they have the ability to use the tech to jam it. But right now, only the FBI and the DHS can do it. So I guess what I'm trying to say is watch a game in a dome when the roof is closed. Anyway, that wraps up our top story. Let's get to the crank file.
1: I could look for something in the crank file. Crank file. Whatever.
0: That's crank file comes to us from CNBC.com. And I love this because the three of us went to Europe together almost 20 years ago. And the title of the article, dated October 10th, 2023, is How Often Should You Wash Your Jeans? The Levi's chief executive settles the debate. Madge, you want to take a guess? (sighs) Well, judging from my
2: own experience in Europe, anytime you get drunk enough with a bus full of Australians that you end your evening in the swimming pool of the hostel doing laps, the experience of which you forget about the next morning.
0: Oh, no, we didn't forget. (laughs) Especially that mouthy one that was leading the the tour. (laughs) It was an evening to remember. For most pieces of clothing, it's clear they should be washed after a few wears, but jeans can be more divisive, with some even saying to never wash them. And in parts, Levi Strauss CEO Charles Berg may be to blame for that, even though he didn't quite mean for that to be the main takeaway from an event he spoke at in 2014. I never said don't wash your jeans, he clarified in conversation with CNBC's Christine Tan as part of the Managing Asia broadcast. Berg still doesn't use a washing machine to clean his denim. True denim heads, people that really love their denim, will tell you to never put your denim in a washing machine. So that's what I do. Denim lovers often say washing jeans will impact the shape and the color while keeping them unwashed will improve their appearance through creases and exposure to the elements. Not washing them is also said to make them last longer and it will prevent the denim's fibers from wearing down, which could lead to holes or rips. But Berg also doesn't just leave his jeans to get messy and covered in dirt. If I drop some curry on my jeans, I'm going to clean it, but I'll spot clean it. And if they get really gross, you know, if I've been out sweating or something and they get really gross, I wash them in the shower. This means keeping jeans on in the shower and covering them in soap as you would wash your body. How is this hand going by you right now, Midge? What, What does this sound like?
2: Uh, if I well, first of all, if I drop curry on my jeans, I'm burning those particular (laughs) jeans. I don't, I don't need my jeans smelling like curry. Oh, you know, like, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know what the difference is in terms of, uh, how like I like the soft feel of well worn jeans, but I don't think that has anything to do with washing. Like, you wash jeans over and over and over again, and they just get softer. So I don't think that's the argument here. I have a serious problem with anybody who doesn't wash any particular type of clothing just because of the material that it's made out of. I mean, I understand you could probably wear jeans four or five times. And if you don't, you know, drop anything on them, it's probably fine. It's a different type of material. It It doesn't absorb the stank the way other things do, but still...
0: In the US, from, people may wash their jeans wash after. Well, in the US, people may wash their jeans after every wear, while in other regions of the world, the clothes would go in the washing machine after every few wears. The debate about how often we should really be washing our clothes has expanded from jeans in recent years. Controversy about how often people wash their pajamas and bedding, for example, has broken out several times on social media recently, prompting discussions about what is and is not hygienic. Hygiene is, however, not the only argument. As Berg points out, washing machines use a lot of water. Washing clothes less could therefore be good for the environment, and some sustainability experts suggest, especially as our often synthetic clothes also release microplastics when washed, which contribute to plastic pollution. So while not everyone may be satisfied with keeping their jeans out of the washing machine, putting them and other clothes in it less frequently may be something at least to consider. Survey says... Um, wash them if they get dirty wash them if they stink but I wouldn't worry about wasting water
2: you don't want to be Captain Smelly Jeans yeah you
0: don't um, want to be Captain yes. Smelly well said you definitely don't want to be Captain Smelly Jeans that wraps up the crank file let's get to some hero of the week The week. This episode, Hero of the Week, comes to us from the New York Post. That's right. And it's not about Florida, which we usually go to. We usually go to the Post for, for our good Florida stories. This one comes to us from Minnesota. Minnesota? A woman's box of giraffe poop that she was planning on making into a necklace is seized at Minneapolis Airport. That's right. She got her giraffe poop taken away. Why does she have giraffe poop, you ask? Let's get into it. A woman was stopped by Customs and Border Patrol officer at the Minneapolis-St. Paul International Airport last week after she was found with giraffe poop that she planned to make into a necklace. The droppings were seized by border officials on September 29th after a woman returning from Kenya declared the animal feces, prompting an inspection by CBP agricultural specialists. Passenger stated that she obtained the droppings while on her trip and intended to make a necklace. She told Customs and Border Patrol officers that she had previously used moose poop to make jewelry in her home at Iowa, The draft poop was taken and destroyed by steam sterilization per USDA protocol. There is a real danger with bringing fecal matter into the U.S., said LaFonda D. Sutton Burke. (laughs) That's a name. Thanks. Thanks, Captain Obvious LaFonda. LaFonda is Customs and Border Patrol Director of Field Operations out of the Chicago Field Office, the Fonda D. Sutton Burke. That's a lot of names. And this person had entered the U.S. and had not declared these items. There is high possibility a person could have contacted a disease from this jewelry and developed serious health issues, she said in a statement.
2: Don't be bringing your dookie around here.
0: Animal feces from Kenya could contain African swine fever, classical swine fever, Newcastle disease, foot and mouth disease, and swine vesicular disease. According to Customs and Border Patrol, the Veterinary Services permit is required to bring feces into the United States. And so, what did we learn from this, Bobs, if nothing else? If you're going to bring Dookie into the country, get a permit. And of course, <laughs> on stories like this, we'd like to go to the comments. I'm guessing she doesn't get a lot of second dates. <sighs> <laughs> I feel the these are the people
2: that need to be lined up and shot immediately you try to take poop of any kind for any reason onto an airplane this is this this is why we need to bring back firing squads
0: big daddy here. I would have absolutely no interest in having dinner with her anytime Minneapolis airport says it all all I can say is
1: ew I
0: guess she is uh shit out of luck she really crept out. She needs to wipe herself clean.
2: <laughs>
0: they should have made her eat it. That would have been justice.
2: Mm. By the way, uh, of all the places, like if, you, if you're going to make... If you're going to make poo into something, why would you make poo into something that you're then going to wear around your neck? Literally almost as close to your nose as you can get
0: yeah about about that yeah
2: it's it's like you know oh i'm going to i'm going to use it to to dye my mustache really
0: how's wrong with you well remember she this is not her first offense right she claimed she's that she wanted to do uh moose she's a she's a habitual dookie smuggler a habitual dookie smuggler. She previously used moose poop to make jewelry at her home in Iowa. So apparently the Iowans are, are uh, pretty kinky. Make some poop jewelry. Um, you, I, yeah, I mean, this is kind time, of, like this be like a I big string met, of pearls, right? We've got a little every, nice shell
2: here. Every, Every single time I hear mass extinction I just root for it. I just root I for it.
0: I saw this article. But you got to figure that a, a giraffe is a very large animal so these droppings got to be dumb. pretty pretty sizable, right? This is a sharpie so for comparison we're looking at grape grape sized droppings. And I'm sure she was going to string them together like a you know like a string of pearls.
2: We have reached the edge of that evolutionary map that shows us, you know, crawling from the monkeys and getting erect and then we got people making poop necklaces. Well, I just big
1: look big big at it simply big like, big you big know, necklaces. no longer are we wearing trophies of like, you know, a tiger's tooth. Now we're just going with, you know, giraffe dump, you know, pearls. It's awesome. Yeah, I mean,
0: You don't have to kill the animals. This, this is somewhat
1: uh, humane. <sighs> mm hmm. Yeah. yeah it's I mean, these see, organic
0: sizable dukes right here. Like this would have been see, a very interesting
1: necklace. It's, it's, it's vegan organic. That's what As that a, is. Yeah.
2: It's a sizable dookie.
0: Sizable dookie. Hashtag. That right, wraps up We're uh, playing Coachella this year. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to some adulting. How old are you guys? We're not fucking kids anymore. On a scale of one to 10, how would you rate
1: your pain? Everything hurts.
0: I'm a grown ass man, dog. I pay taxes here,
1: fucker. We're not like you. We're grown-ups, motherfucker! When 900 years old you reach, look as
0: good you are not, hmm? This one comes to us from thetastingtable.com, dated October 9th. California just banned the use of four harmful chemicals in food. On October 7th, Governor Gavin Newsom signed the California Food Safety Act, a new law that bans four harmful additives found in processed foods, authored by Assemblymember Jesse Gabriel of Woodland Hills, backed by the Environmental Working Group, and Consumer Reports... The law is set to remove propylparaben, brominated vegetable oil, potassium bromate, and red dye number three from the shelves of California grocery stores by 2027. Now, the European Union already bans all four chemicals with certain exceptions for red dye number three. Several popular fast food chains, including Papa John's Pizza, Dunkin' Donuts, Panera, and major soft drink manufacturers like Pepsi Coke and Gatorade have already stopped using them. This is the first time a state has banned food additives that the Food and Drug Administration allows. And the law will likely trigger nationwide change. Manufacturers will have to change their recipes if they want to keep selling their products in California, the fifth largest economy in the world, and the bill is inspiring a broader push for regulations. In New York, legislators are considering a bill that would ban the same four additives with titanium dioxide, a color additive and potential carcinogen added to the list. Several major health and safety organizations, including the Environmental Working Group, are petitioning the FDA to ban titanium dioxide and red dye number three. You guys know what titanium dioxide is for? I'm not a chemist. Sunblock. No idea.
1: Oh. Titanium dioxide gives you the white in your sunblock. So is my sunblock now going to be pink? You know,
0: I, I mentioned this on an adulting segment probably five or six episodes ago, there's about 11 chemicals. Four of them are really bad in American sunblock that have been banned in Europe. And so I did the studious thing of, I don't want to poison my children. I'll just go find some sunblock that doesn't have it. You can't find it. Can't find it. Can't find it. So unless I wanted to fly to Europe and fill a suitcase full of sunblock, there is no way I could find it. And so the result was either deal with these things in trace amounts and hope that my children aren't genetically susceptible to it or let them burn.
1: Whole paycheck doesn't sell anything. Couldn't find it. Mm.
0: Checked Amazon, Amazon. checked checked
1: Sprouts, (sighs) checked. I see a business opportunity. If you're telling me that. Yeah. Import
0: some of this safe sunblock. Cause right now what they tell you to do is use the zinc stuff, which makes it look like white face paint. And the result is you end up looking like a clown. Anyway, back to the story. Why are these additives dangerous? Well, according to Consumer Reports, the commonly uh, the common candy and drink additive number dye, dye number, red dye number three has been linked to cancer in animals and may cause behavioral issues in children. Though the FDA banned it from cosmetics in 1990, it's still in ketchup. barbecue sauce and meat like red dye number 3 potassium bromate may also be linked to cancer world health organization considers potassium bromate an ingredient often used to improve the texture of processed bread products to be a potential carcinogen as well
2: i find it fascinating that gavin newsom has the time to do this while there's poop literally everywhere in public in california particularly the San Francisco area.
1: Is and vomit and all the restaurants. Hey, hey. You pay a fine if you do that. And
2: and the restaurant vomit. The restaurant vomit to boot. Ha! ha! See what I did there?
0: Propylparaben, a preservative used in both food and cosmetics, has been linked to reproductive issues. In 2013, a study published in Environmental Health Perspectives found that consumption of the ingredient was associated with decreased ovarian reserves in women and has also been linked to reproductive issues in male rats. Last of the four, brominated vegetable oil, is used in sodas, especially ones with citrus flavoring. According to Scientific American, the chemical can build up in the body over time and may cause reproductive issues and heart problems. However, the days of finding BVO on grocery store shelves are likely numbered as the FDA is already working to ban it from food products. To health and safety advocates, the new law is a big step, but there's more to be done. The Environmental Working Group lists the common Dirty Dozen additives with potential harmful effects, and critics say the United States lags behind many other countries in terms of food safety. You guys want to know what the Dirty Dozen
1: are?
0: Please. Here Ooh. is the Environmental Working Group's Dirty Dozen. Nitrites and nitrates. You as a wine on it. Take particular interest in this, Jay. Yep. Potassium bromate, previously referenced. Propylparaben, previously referenced. Butylated hydroxyanazole, BHA. Butylated hydroxytoluene, BHT. Propyl gallate, theobromine, secret flavor ingredients, quote unquote, artificial colors, quote unquote, diacetyl, phosphate-based food additives, and aluminum-based additives. That is the dirty dozen of get it the fuck out of our food. And the article goes on the list. Some of this stuff is banned and sold in various places, including the United Kingdom, Canada, Australia, so on and so forth, et cetera, et cetera. Good or bad? Ban these four things.
2: I mean, sure. I uh, it's always <laughs> I don't. it's it's a, it's always the state. It's always the state that has way bigger problems to deal with. California being, you remember when you remember when everybody wanted to live in California, when when California was this paradise on earth, and now it's people can't leave fast enough, and it's because this is what California spends its fucking time on. Meanwhile, like everything is crumbling all the fucking time. People can't leave fast enough. It's a matter of of poor prioritizing, and nobody does that better than California. Absolutely so, no one
1: does this really at the end of the day, this is really effing matter. Do you realize like all of these things you have Completely to have con- like a very, very large consumption of all of these things to actually do something. So, my point about this is that who fucking cares don't drink soda like you shouldn't drink soda i got scalded today for drinking soda don't drink soda like that's one thing that just cuts out half this crap that you're that you're looking at drink water like but the amount that it takes to actually do something of red dye number three you're not going to consume that much it's stupid it's stupid this is this is this is so stupid The reality is a state that needs to basically do this is some of the more unhealthy states. Let's take Mississippi, for instance, one of the most unhealthy states in the union. (laughs) They're the ones that should be banning this crap because that's where this stuff's really coming out of. It ain't California. And I will say this, we do lead. We always lead in California and everything else falls in line. So is this stupid? Absolutely. Do I give a shit? No. No. I, I'm not going to consume that much of any of these things. So it doesn't concern me, but as it always has, California usually leads in some way or another that will bring on some change. This is dumb, but it's a step in someone's mind of the right way.
2: Well, I agree with you that places like Mississippi should really look into this stuff. Um, more carefully as well, they should probably start investigating all the murders of those black people first. They should start there and then move on to the nitrates. Wow. Just my
1: thought. (laughs) My point is, is that like you got to consume so much of this garbage to actually do something that it's, It's here nor there.
0: And if you aren't consuming that much, you got bigger problems. In aggregate, it's going away. And uh, what we can tell here is that several fast food, several popular fast food chains, including Papa John's, Dunkin' Donuts, Panera, and major soft drink manufacturers like Pepsi Coke and Gatorade have already stopped using it. So it's already on its way out in most cases anyway.
1: So is that a bad thing? Like, if you think about this, then it's like, well, screw it. So California spends its time. It does this stuff. And overall, the rest of the union all falls in line because these companies can't give up California, so they all fall in line also. So goes California, so goes the nation. And it's my point earlier.
0: We lead. Indeed. And they're already phasing this out, Amy. So all they're doing is rubber stamping a trend. But good idea, California.
1: No, no. What they will do is just rename it as something else and then sneak it on in there. Like I was trying to look up. Did you guys know what um, MSG is now renamed as something? Ooh, really? No, was the, they
2: changed the name of msg yeah yeah, MSG. yeah it's just like it's uh, all it's all like uh,
1: sneaky labeling now it's um uh, uh i can't remember what it is anyways just know that like yeah they'll do this and then they'll just rename it to something else and you won't even know what it is Stick it back in it, oh it's ridiculous like
0: it's so bad well beware of what your children are eating and read the labels
2: that's How is it legal to 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 like change the name of what's basically a toxic
0: chemical? That's fucking horseshit. Well, we don't have enough time to go into FDA approval of things, but I have a few opinions on that. Anyway, that wraps up adulting. Let's close out with some happy times. <laughs> This one comes to us from K-A-R-E, channel 11. First grader goes door to door with offer to read to seniors. This one is just special. Back into Minnesota, we are East Grand Forks, Minnesota. Maggie Kuznia works on her reading while seniors get a visit. As she begins first grade, Maggie Kuznia is already a natural storyteller. Did you know you could eat at the Eiffel Tower? Maggie asks a visitor she's just met who didn't. The topics change quickly from puzzles to ice cream bars, with Maggie pausing occasionally to breathe. But Maggie's storytelling has recently taken a geriatric turn. Maggie, who recently turned seven, unzips her backpack adorned with Elsa from Frozen. This one, Maggie says as she pulls out the book for which she was searching. Then Maggie sits down on the couch next to Patty, the senior, and reads. Over the next couple of hours, the process will be repeated multiple times. Maggie walks from apartment to apartment, knocking on doors as residents of Good Samaritan Society Heritage Grove Senior Living. Do they need that many names? Good Samaritan Society Heritage Grove Senior Living. Seems like a lot. Anyway, they invite her to read it with them.
2: That's Maggie very nice.
0: reads... Mama Llama Red Pajama to 95-year-old Eileen Baird, who is sitting at her side. Maggie's mother, Tiffany Kuznia, works at Heritage Grove. On snow days, Maggie would go with her mother to work. Last winter, Maggie was packing her bag for the day when her mother reminded her to bring her Nintendo Switch. I'm not bringing that today, she said. I'm going to bring books and I'm going to read to the residents, What started on snow days, however, became once or twice a week during summer vacation. Come on, Margaret. Maggie says, taking the hand of a 96-year-old Margaret Sondriel, the pair walks the hall to Margaret's apartment. Maggie pulls from her backpack a book called The Good Egg that she has chosen for Margaret. Exhausted, Margaret says, when Maggie struggles with the word, she accepts Margaret's guidance and pushes on. And for the past few months, no one has had more reading tutors than Maggie. Maggie's parents started reading to their daughter before she was born, but her love of books was further blossomed as Maggie makes the rounds at Heritage Grove. She knocks on doors, she goes from door to door, and she says, would you like me to read to you? And very often, the seniors would say, yes, come on in. And apparently, it seems like she does about 80 to 85% of the reading, and they'll help her and correct her and provide guidance. And it's a very, very nice bonding experience. What do you guys think?
1: That's awesome.
2: I like it. No, I mean... Especially, especially now that that kids are like... Uh, kid, uh, kids are as bad as everybody else when it comes to staring at their phones and staring at their iPads yeah. or whatever. Everybody's just a little digital monster now. So you know, this girl's rocking it old school. Good for
1: her. And I'll also go with the fact: is that, you know, seniors in a low, on a home or you know whatever their living situation is. They are lonely and they love the attention. Like they are so starved. And if a girl wants to walk in and read something, God, that does so much for both. That is good. That is pure gold.
0: It's good for everybody. Win, win. So Patty Griggs who's in her nineties, used to be a former first teacher, um, first grade teacher. She let Maggie in. They sit on their couch as the first grader reads a lot from a book called the bad seed. Patty thinks Maggie might be onto something. Maybe more beginning readers could take advantage of the willing residents of senior homes. So this could be an interesting opportunity for your kids who are learning to read. Go to a senior home because seniors have lots of time and lots of patience. And it's the perfect opportunity for your kids to get in with some really open-minded, loving experiences. And so I thought this was worthy of happy times.
1: That is happy. I like that. I should almost be parenting. It's happy time parenting.
0: It was, I was trying to figure out, was it adulting or was it, was it happy times? And I thought it'd be more appropriate for happy times because we don't have a lesson to learn here. We it's just have to feel good
1: about ourselves. It's 51% happy time, 49 parenting. For show. Speaking of show,
0: that is our show. You can email us at bottleofbrown at gmail.com and give us a call at 602-529-4562. Leave a message for Danny, Leon, the Major, Mr. Jones, or any of our special guests. Tell us what you liked, what you didn't like. We want to hear from you. If you like the show, please give us a five-star review on your podcast app and share your favorite episode with a friend. Every positive review makes it easier for others to find the show and join the Bob community. We're on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Share a quiet drink with us next episode. Same brown time. Same Brown Channel. Bottle of Brown. This place is dead anyway, man. Go Diamondbacks!